so thank you for coming this morning. Uh, to those that are worshiping at home, thank you for uh, connecting with us. And if we can certainly help you in any way, you know, uh, you can just reach out and, and give us a ring, give us a call, and, and we'll make sure uh, we connect in a way that's helpful to you. Uh, right now, what we want to do is, if you have a Bible, if you'd open it up to John chapter 4 this morning, um, we always produce a, a set of notes uh, that's available on our website, and I want to call attention uh, before we begin our teaching to two resources that are listed on your notes. There are two particular books. Uh, one was written by Robert Coleman in 1963, um, and it's called The Master Plan of Evangelism. And it's a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal book about eight principles about how Jesus took, took a, a very few number of people, a very few, 12 men and, and, a, and a group of women, and how that through these eight principles that uh, Coleman talks about, they changed the entire world. And oftentimes in church life, you think that to reach the world, you've got to do this immense thing. Not so. To reach the world, the model that Jesus gave us was a very few, a very few disciples who loved Jesus with all their heart, and they changed the world. It's available free, uh, uh, a download PDF. And it's well worth a read. The second book is also available free on a PDF. And it's uh, uh, written by A.B. Bruce. And it's the, the, the title is The Training of the Twelve. And that, this book was written in 1871 and is as relevant then as, as it is today. These two resources, if you have a, a heart to disciple your, your, your child. If you have a heart to disciple a friend, if you have a heart to disciple your own heart in following after Christ, these two books are a must read. They are, you know, you have the Bible and then there's a few books that you treasure that go along and complement the Word of God. These two books are those, those, I mean, that quality of resource. And so if you want to help, you know, if you're an auntie or an uncle or a granddad or a nana, and you want to help a young person, you want to help disciple them in the things of the Lord, these are treasures, treasures that will help you do this do that task. And in our text today, what we're going to see is two stories that are, two stories that are interwoven together that are all about how did Jesus reach the world? It's about a woman at the well and how her testimony changed a whole village. Interwoven in that is how Jesus trained his disciples to do what? To reach the whole world. And there's some principles in there that are, once you kind of put that lens on, that Jesus is training people to reach the world, you're going to read the narrative in a totally different light. 
Matter of fact, I, in my notes, I picked out five things, five principles that you can see in this text. But I bet there's more there. One, you know, drop me a line, drop me an email, and wh what I'll do is I'll add it to my notes. So the next time I teach this, I'll have not five, but I'll have six. But the only thing I won't do is I won't put your name on it. I'm just going to steal it. <laughs> but when you get to heaven, you'll get your reward. So let's pray, and then we'll uh, work through uh, the text. Some of it uh, we've already worked through in previous weeks, but we'll begin in chapter 4, verse 1. So let's pray to you today, this morning. Father, we thank you uh, for gathering us together this morning. And we pray, Lord, that you would uh, speak to our hearts and, Lord, that you would show us how you equipped people to change a whole village, how you equipped a few men and women to change the whole world. And so, Lord, uh, speak to our hearts this morning and mature us and grow us in the things of faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So John chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside that well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Do you think that Jesus could have just done a miracle? Said, Hey, boys, it's lunchtime. Give me a few rocks. We'll make some biscuits. We'll have some chicken and some gravy. And we'll just all hang out here. Do you think Jesus could have done that? Yeah, he's going to. He's going to have a fish barbecue and a little... See, am I cutting out here, guys, in the booth? My batteries are low. See, this is what happens. Could you, would you mind bringing me a couple new batteries? How are you guys doing? This is called... That. That's better. It's, it's, it does strange things, strange things to your mind when you're speaking, but you're still speaking, but it's not there. It's, it's, it's bizarre. Back to the text. Do you think Jesus could have created chicken and biscuits and gravy? Yes, yes of course he could have. And so what we see here is the very first lesson that we can see from the text is that ministry is about serving in ordinary ways. In other words, to serve the Lord is about doing the ordinary things in life faithfully. It could be, possibly, that the Lord would do some supernatural things, some amazing things. But you know, most of ministry, most of ministry is simply about this. Would you be faithful in the simple tasks of life? 
And those lessons are transferable to every area of our life, whether it's church life or whether it's work on the job or whether it's work at the home. If you're going to grow as a person, you have to be faithful in the ordinary things of life. That's one reason Jesus sends the boys off to get lunch. What's the other reason? He wanted to get them out of the way because he was on a mission. He had an appointment, right? And that appointment was with a woman who had a broken heart. And Jesus, out of the love of the Father, was going to extend grace to this woman. And he was going to do that in a way that transformed her life. Now, we're going to catch up with the guys in a little bit, and they're going to come back into the story, and they're going to learn a whole lot about what ministry looks like, and they're going to learn a whole lot about what it means to reach the world. But the story continues. Look at, at the verse with me. It says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, who is, who is it that is saying to you, Give me a drink? You would have asked him, and he would have given you what? Living water. Yes. And you know, the rest of the story, we spent, I think, a week or two on it. That Jesus reaches out and almost, you can see it, rips the bandage off of this broken woman's heart so that he could speak grace into her heart and that she could have an opportunity to experience that living water that leaps up inside a person that comes to faith in Jesus Christ. The narrative continues. Drop down with me to verse 27. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. We'll get back to the boys, but take note of the woman. She simply does what? She simply shares her testimony. She simply shares, I met the Messiah who healed the brokenness of my heart. She doesn't have all the Bible stories wrapped up. She may know, to some degree, the first five books, the Pentateuch, but she doesn't know the Psalms or the Proverbs. Or she doesn't know Isaiah 53. All she knows is this. Jesus came, and he healed my broken heart. And the people looked at her and they responded and began to move towards Jesus. The greatest story we'll ever tell people about Jesus is our own story. 
It's about how God came when we reached out to him, how we, how we prayed to him in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our despair, in the, in the midst of our anxiety, how we reached out to Jesus and he touched our hearts. We think of winning the world and we might think of strategies and programs and church buildings and, and you know, media outreaches and all that. And Jesus, Jesus models for us, it's simply like this. If you come close to me, I'll heal your heart and then go tell people about me. Because the one thing that each of us needs, the one thing that, that I need, the one thing that I have experienced that has changed my life is that my heart once was broken by sin and my heart once was broken by life, but Jesus healed my heart. And it is that genuine, organic, real testimony that people were looking for then and are looking for now. And so if you're here and you have a broken heart, if you're here and, and life has been absolutely nasty to you, there is a healer. There is a divine physician. There is one that can replace the brokenness in your heart and bring healing to your heart and bring joy in the midst of your circumstances in life. And that is what this lady found. We go back to the disciples. Just then the disciples came and they marveled. They were shocked. They were aghast. They were beside themselves in seeing the rabbi doing what? Talking with a woman. Not only that, talking with a promiscuous woman. Not only that, talking about talking with someone that had been divorced five times and the guy she's living with is not her husband and the rabbi, the rabbi is asking for water and drinking water from this lady, and 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 they just they just couldn't comprehend it. And so what Jesus does is 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 not only does he have an appointment with the woman at the well, he has a divine appointment with his disciples to train them into what qualities, what values of the kingdom are going to be able to turn the world upside down. Come with the text with me, verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat, Rabbi, eat. <laughs> but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples, being as brilliant as they were, said to one another, has anyone brought him food to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. What, we can, what can we see here as far as how Christ trains his disciples, his followers? Well, the first thing is he, he brings them where? Does he bring them to a building? Does he bring them to a seminary? Does he bring them to a special workshop? No. Jesus brings them to himself. 
There is no substitute for a personal encounter with Jesus. There's no substitute for waking up in the morning and opening the Word of God and praying and, and allowing our heart to reach out to God and allow His Spirit to reach into our heart. There's no substitute from having a personal encounter with God. And that's what's going to turn the village upside down is that they're going to come out and meet Jesus, and then what, are they, what will they say to him? Come and do what? Come and spend a couple days with us. Not only this, when we drill down a little bit, Jesus not only invites the disciples to him, but he invites them to have a what with him? He invites them to have a meal. Isn't it interesting that the thing that gives remember him is a meal and that he connects those spiritual deep truths with the ordinary things of life. Jesus' methodology of making disciples and followers was simply this. Come and be with me. Come and hang out. When we get to the book of Acts, we see Peter and John and they're, they're rabble-rousers. And what do the religious leaders say? Oh, they've been with who? They've been with Jesus. And so the first thing that Jesus does is he calls people to himself, calls them to have relationship with him, and they share common life together. Come back to the text with me and look at the next thing. It says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. See, the greatest satisfaction that Jesus had was obeying the Lord, his father. There's a great quote out of the training of the, uh, of the 12. It says this, uh, the writer says, a master is pleased and and." What he means is, what Bruce means is a, a teacher is pleased. So listen to this quote. It says, a teacher is pleased when a pupil understands his lesson. A teacher is pleased when a pupil understands his lesson. But the Lord is pleased only when his servants do his bidding. Only when his servants obey. So to obey is to love. To obey is to learn. To obey is to fulfill one's destiny. And so as we come close to Jesus, the greatest, greatest lesson is will we obey him? Will we follow him? Will we put his commands, his way of living above ours? Is that not what we want our little kiddos to do as they're growing up? We want them to obey mama? We want them to obey dad. We want them to obey because it's safe for them. You know, I have a granddaughter. Her name's Grace. Grace is going to be two on Thursday. And she's amazing. And she's learning to mimic her parents. And one of the first things she's learned is this. No, 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 no. No, no, no. And she goes to Nancy, no, 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 Nana. No, no, Nana. And she has a sister.
by the name of Tessie, who the parents think it's a sister, but it's a dog. <laughs> See, that's why you need grandparents, to save the children <laughs> from the parents. I should write a book about that. But to obey is to love and to learn, and to obey is to fulfill one's destiny. It's a simple thing that Jesus is imparting, but it, it changes everything. It's like you wake up in the morning, Lord, what would you have me do today? The prayer in the morning is, Lord, help us to live our day so that we could be useful to you. And my prayer is <laughs> that so I could be useful for you and that I could have joy. Because the two are directly related. And Jesus wants his disciples to know, if you want more love in your life, you want more happiness in your life, you want more joy in your life, then be found in the center of God's will for your life, and you will have love, and you will have joy, and you will have peace. Will you have circumstances? Yes, you will. But you will have a God and a shepherd that has his hand upon your life each and every way. Come back to the text with me. They're learning. There are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. What is the lesson here that, that Jesus wants the disciples to learn? He wants them to learn that ministry and life is all about sharing. Ministry and life is all about doing your little bit and being humble in the process. In other words, the people are coming out from the village. They're coming out to meet Jesus. Did the disciples have anything to do with that? No. <laughs> they, Jesus sent them to get out of the way, so they, my opinion, so they wouldn't mess it up. And Jesus has this conversation. Jesus does his part. The woman goes out and does her part. She says, I once had a broken heart. The people do their part. They stream to Jesus. And the disciples, they're there. They're just there to pick the fruit and to minister to the people. There's one other element that's implicit in the narrative, and that is that ministry is a rejection of racism. Ministry is a rejection of prejudice, a rejection of economic standing, a rejection as gender. All those are Jesus rejects as the basis of ministry and, accept, and extending love and acceptance and forgiveness and salvation. They're rejected. We've gone through a tumultuous year. You can 
make your own application. But racism and prejudice has no standing in a Christian church and is no basis to withhold love towards people and affection towards people and acceptance towards people and the grace of the gospel to people. And Jesus wants his disciples to understand that because he's going into the village and it's going to get turned upside down. Now, parenthetically, let me say that these guys were not perfect at all. If you remember, James and John were called the sons of... And if you go to Luke chapter 9, they go through a Samaritan village that didn't really extend hospitality. And what did these two characters want to do? Well, let's call down fire and make them into crispy critters. Jesus says, my boys, my boys. <laughs> and so we don't always get it right, do we? Neither did the disciples. But to continue to grow is about this. It's about spending time with Jesus. It's about setting that time aside where you let him speak to your heart. Let him heal the woundedness. Let him um, bring assurance in the middle of anxiety. Let him bring his comfort and his peace when your world is rocked. It is coming to him and being with him that brings forth great healing great personal growth and great outreach because we have a story to tell. Come back to the text. We'll finish it up. Jesus goes into the village. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the women's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. It's remarkable. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and now we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. What was Jesus' great plan to reach the world? Was it to amass an army of people? No. Just a few. Hardly any at all. It was Jesus' great plan to get the most noble, highly educated, most powerful people of his day? Not at all. Unknown fishermen. What was the quality then? The quality is men that had a heart, women that had a heart, to spend time with Jesus and let Jesus transform their heart. Let Jesus heal their heart so that then when they would go out to their friends, 
they go out to their community. They could have a simple testimony. Let me tell you about someone that made me whole when I was broken. Our world needs that. I need that. You need that. That personal relationship that can bring hope and healing, purpose, and joy. Would you be that type of a disciple? That's who the Father's looking for. Remember that? Someone that would worship me with all of their heart. Someone that would worship me for who I really am. The Savior of the world. The Samaritans got it right. And the disciples learned a pretty valuable lesson that day. That God loves people. He loves a Samaritan woman broken. He loves a whole village that the Jews just couldn't tolerate. And when the great physician came in, he came in to heal and to save and to give people hope and peace, salvation, and joy. Amen? Would you be that disciple? Because that, who the Father is seeking. We get to close this morning by having a meal with Jesus. I mean, it's a memorial meal to, to remember him. And I would just invite you to prepare your heart and if you are in a place where there's that sense of brokenness, whether you're worshiping right here in this room or you're at home, that you'd be like that woman at the well saying, oh, I want that, I want that living water. That's my prayer this morning. I want that living water, Lord. Would you not touch my life, touch my heart with it? Let's take a moment and invite him to minister to us this morning.